Welcome to Diary of an Actress. This is episode one. This is the uh, introductory episode here with you is Max Begrove and Rachel Baylor. So for those of you that don't know uh, Rachel Baylor yet, can you give us a brief description of who you are? Wow. Uh, (laughs) I am a Leo, an actress, an acting teacher. I am an East Coast native. I am an empath. I am an artist and a teacher and a humanitarian. I think that's the briefest description we've ever had. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, How do we know each other for the audience here? What's your kind of like recollection? My recollection is meeting you may i say yeah of course in a um was it a choir boy costume was uh, it a choir boy costume <laughs> something very angelic we were in a play together at the lee strasberg theater and film institute called savage and limbo by john patrick shanley and i was playing the role of april and this young prodigy came out in costume <laughs> and opened the show playing Ave Maria on the violin. And we have was been that, friends was, ever was, since. Was that the earliest one? Really? Was there nothing before that? There might have been. We both were at Strasbourg at the same time. Yeah, I think so too. I think it was there was there was something else before that because I think we were working on Sugar Happens. Well, sure ha- yes, you're right. Yeah. Sure happens was way before Savage and Limbo. What am I saying? So my one woman show, Savage and um, <laughs> Sugar Happens. Sugar Happens. Yeah. Savage yeah. and Limbo is my, maybe a better description of the show. <laughs> it, it it was a limbo all over East Coast, West Coast. Yeah, uh, yeah we met on the show, and as I recall, our friend Martin was doing the lighting and design the lighting and you came on board to work on my show you literally were my angel you came in my show is supposed to be three nights at the strasberg institute directed by david lee strasberg written by emmy winning writing writer sherry coben and it lasted for over five years yeah i think there was like a night where I don't know if Martin just had me like help out with the lights or something, but he was kind of teaching me uh, like production stuff, like uh, like the lighting and uh, kind of all, all the electrical stuff that goes along with it. And I think one night he was just helping me out or teaching me how to do this thing because he needed help or something. And then from then on, I was just kind of stuck to it. <laughs> like wherever the show was happening, I just kind of. Uh, oh, you poor yeah. thing! There was like no choice. Max, Max, <laughs> travel. The show traveled all around LA, and what I remember the clearest was our run at the Sidewalk Studio Theater in Burbank, and yep. Yep. that was you know week in week out. Prior to that, I was jumping all over. I was at the Comedy Central stage at the Hudson. I was on Santa Monica Row, and I was in New York at St. Luke's Theater. But I remember the sidewalk being like really our consistent run together. And it was such an experience that I will never forget. Yeah, because it was it was back to back, right? It was happening kind of week to week, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. For like a little while, yeah. Um, so... 
so I came to Lee Strasberg in 2001 as a little child. That's where I kind of picked up like the manager. I picked up the agent just like after one show, um, after like one like summer thing that happened. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, I went, I went and I did. I remember doing, um, it was like the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe or something or like some interpretation of it. And I think after that summer, I was contacted by Mimi Mitchell, who was uh, at Rising Stars in Santa Monica and then Bobby Ball, which was in uh, like Hollywood or whatever. Yeah. So Denver. after that. It was like the next decade or so. It was I was kind of run by them uh, or managed rather by them, and then uh, worked at Lee Strasberg throughout uh, that time. What's your kind of earliest? Ex- I came at in two thousand one too, as did David oh, yeah. Strasberg. That was an epic year. The trio. We all I think so. Yeah, we all kind of showed up, right? Mm-hmm. I think we all. Yeah. Yeah, I was already working and had training, and said I don't. I don't have the right training. I knew something was missing and I was drawn to that school. And that is the year I arrived. It was, it was weird. Me and my mom, we were walking by the place. This is how she describes it. I have like no memory of these things, but she was saying that we walked by the theater. She was like, Oh, you want to go in? I'm like, yeah, why not? (laughs) She just signed me up. And then somehow that just kind of like propelled for the next like decade. Right. Um, so you said you had prior training before and then you started, uh, in 2001. My next question was going to be like, what's your, uh, like training or background when it comes to, uh, like acting? Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, I trained, uh, well, first I have to say that I'm a faculty member at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute. And so yeah. I teach method acting, but to backtrack prior to going to Strasbourg, I was trained in the Meisner technique and I was always drawn to technique because I like the depth of the old fashioned way of working, which is how the uh, most famous actors in the world trained. And there's a really in-depth process. It's not a fly by night. It's a absolute hundred percent commitment, mind, body, soul to acting. And so I had been trained in Meisner, but felt that the preparation did not work for me. And so then I had a couple of teachers in between a man named Al Guarino, who I loved second city. And then I, came over to Lee Strasberg. Right on. So uh, your experience kind of in acting and in training, it I wouldn't say it culminated, but it resulted in this thing called uh, Diary of an Actress. Can you give us a little introduction to what it is? What is the thing? What is Diary of an Actress? Like, where did it come from? Or sure. how did it start? It's pretty magical. I opened my show. It was supposed to be a three night show, like a workshop. And the second night, which we'll get to Al Pacino was in the uh, the audience. And this little show that could had a lot of heart and soul behind it. And I believe really accessible message for all. So I started the show and then I realized, no, I want to keep working on this. And so whenever the theater was free, the theaters at Strasburg, I would run the show. 
And then it became clear that other people were wanting to rent the theaters and other productions. So I moved upstairs to a classroom and Martin's classroom was it? it, Well, it was classroom number. I think we called it three then. And it's called four now or the the very back. The tiny one in the back. That's my favorite one. (laughs) It's my favorite too. Yeah. And Martin made it so that I could walk in the show, turn on a light as if I was coming home and turn on my music. It was so funny. And so I would do it there every week and I would invite casting directors and I would put out a table with wine and cheese. And every Wednesday night I was doing the show. So I was advertising it in the LA Weekly. It was free. And it was actually the original version of the play, which was 45 minutes. The what play year was this? Like, what year was this happening? This was in 2005. 2000, yeah, just for some context in terms of like time. Yeah. So it was like this, this baby show. I just played myself. Well, it grew into a show that eventually was an hour and 20 minutes, which by the time we did it at Sidewalk was an hour. Yeah. And so... I did this show and I invited people. So casting directors would come, producers and people from all walks of life would see this show listed on Gold Star or LA Weekly and they would come. And so it's it somehow it got the attention of an editor at the LA Independent newspaper. And I believe he came to the show and then he proposed that I write a weekly article for the LA independent. And wow, I had never thought to do that. And he thought it would be really interesting to write my experiences. So I started the column and it was delivered all over Los Angeles. Uh And there was a picture of me, the original poster in a black corset, and it would arrive on people's lawns. And I would be often on the front page talking about my adventures as an actress, all related to the show. So the column went on for a couple of years and I, I think a couple of years and I loved doing it. It was so satisfying. And then the editor left and I stayed on a little bit longer and then they got rid of all the columnists. They got rid of just everybody. Yeah, we were just writing for free, like all the free uh, yeah. people. <laughs> and I don't know if they were using a news service. I can't remember. But I remember driving down to this old building on Wilshire Boulevard and picking up my newspaper, the copy, every week. I was so excited. Yeah. And so I wasn't quite sure what to do. And I have all the original LA independents. And then someone suggested that I take it to a vlog, which were really big at the time. So I started a vlog and I started writing the columns again. And there was some time in between. And then someone else said, well, why don't you try to do them as a YouTube web series? Right, right, right. So then I teamed up with this very talented man and he directed and did all the production, all green screen. And so there are about five episodes on YouTube, Diary of an Actress. So... What originally motivated you to kind of keep writing like week after week or what was the, uh, the like thought behind it? Like why do it? The thought was that I could offer hope and optimism to other people out there who might be struggling like myself 
Like people have a lot of hope and optimism going into it, but once they're in it, it seems to kind of just disappear <laughs> once they've been working or not working for a while. Well, I seem to find the silver lining through my sense of humor and the ironies of life and just, you know, experiencing so many ridiculous things in the industry. And, but I wanted the, the article to be applicable to anyone. And so like whether they're acting or not. Correct. Yeah. And so I hope that there's a way in for everyone. And I did the same thing with the videos. I really found my show had a message. I have to say my show was about hope in the faith face of loss and the thread. Some people got, and some people didn't. Either way, they got optimism because it was called sugar happens, not shit happens. Right, right. And I tried to do the same with the columns. And maybe I was talking myself into the optimism as well because they were difficult years. I was really broke. It was really hard to keep the show going. I wasn't making any money. One one night, we made enough for my director, Phil Ramuno, and myself to go out and share a tuna melt. I mean, you know, it was like crazy stories, as you know. I mean, you know, you were so kind and generous. I could, uh, you know, barely afford to pay you. And, you know, we made just enough to, you know, pay the theater once we went to other theaters and break even. But I I was working in a store at the time and uh, called Pebbles. I remember the store. (laughs) And I was really struggling emotionally with relationships, financially, um, always struggling with the business. And I have to say the struggle is still there. And I like to be really open and honest about these things because I feel that people come to Hollywood and there has to be uh, some emotional support somewhere along the way or on a regular basis to keep going because the odds are tough and life is challenging. And so if I could provide you know, a ray of sunshine to someone that made me really happy. Yeah. My my question was going to be like for people already either in the industry or looking to work industry, like what can people get out of uh, listening to both some of these conversations about diary of an actress and actually reading uh, the diaries themselves? I think that the situations are universal. I think that's the secret to acting is that you know, it is universal in the specific. And I think the things I point out about the industry and about life are are things that every single person, man, woman, child are going through or will go through. So I hope that it's entertaining. Oh, it should should be entertaining. I hope. Um, I find you entertaining. So I will enjoy speaking with you on a regular basis and having guests on here, people that were involved with the show or people um, involved in this process. So I want to keep the sugar happening. Right. I want to bring it back and keep it happening. Honestly, I never thought it was a play on shit happens throughout all the years. I was like, I wonder why it's called Sugar Happens. I don't know. That's kind of a cool name. I've never thought like, oh, it's because shit happens. Honestly. That's hysterical. This is the saddest Uh, and funniest thing because this is years and years later. I know, right? You're having the epiphany, the awakening. Well, 
And uh, a lot of people uh, called me sugar. I think they thought, you know, that was sort of that's it. what I thought it was. I thought it was like, you know, like, oh, sugar happens. Like it's magical, pretty. Mm. But really, it was just like a more nuanced play on some words. Sad that I never got got that. Okay, but uh, if, if you really, if you take apart the play, which I hope we get to, because I went from one character to four characters, right? And they were all versions of myself, and each character explored the uh the ups and the downs of their life and sometimes one character in particular we could really see through the struggle to find the sugar and whether that was actually authentic um, uh, the piano yes. singer right my the favorite. lounge singer lounge Rachel, singer yeah Rachel B. Uh, my favorite girl <laughs> <laughs> Rachel B. <laughs> haven't heard her voice in a while Rachel B was happy and had made peace with life but people watching Rachel B might have thought she was pathetic but but she was happy with herself and that's right. all that at the end of the day that you find peace with yourself and Rachel Levin was trying to fit in the suburban housewife yeah. so desperately I think I think that's kind of some of the cool insight that we'll get to see is like like uh not years and years and years later this is only a couple of years ago so uh but some of like the the reflection that can happen when we kind of look back on some of these characters and kind of going a little bit deeper into some of uh your own uh not reflection but your own uh like relation to those characters so I think that's maybe a side that not a lot of people get to see um I like that. Who do we, who do, who do you, or who will we get to talk to? Um, and who do you plan on uh, having some conversations with? Well, I first want to bring, actress? yeah, I want to bring like the Sugar Happens family. If I can find the editor from the LA Independent, if he's around, that would be cool since he came up with the idea. Um, I would like to t- bring in Sherry Coben, the creator. Uh, she took my life and she wrote it. I would like to bring in uh, the original director and ongoing producer, David Lee Strasberg, Lee Strasberg's son, who has continued to be my mentor, friend, fellow teacher. And I feel Phil like Ramon. even though me and him don't yeah. talk, I feel like he's just always there if I, if I ever want to make a call. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. He's a loyal guy. Can't say enough good things about David Lee Strasberg. And Sherry Coben, uh, Sherry Coben, our writer, and Phil Ramuno, who is an excellent television director. And um, when the show expanded and it, you know, it, it David got busy, uh, he jumped in for the new pieces that we added on and directed. So he's an excellent director, sitcom guy, really experienced, has done a lot in his lifetime. So bring in Phil and uh it's possible to bring in Sal Romeo, who opened, owned The Sidewalk, another acting teacher and also um, theater producer who was involved. And I don't know, Max, who else do you think we should bring? Uh, Al Pacino? I mean, Al Pacino. I feel like that might be a classic uh, if the man's got time <laughs> to talk. Um, no, I think that was, that's kind of a good starting point. It kind of gives people a good little bit of a, an insight into who we're actually going to be speaking to uh, when it comes to Diary of an Actor. Uh, is there, are there any other things that you want to mention about the Diary itself or kind of what people should look forward to um, as we begin to kind of launch the uh, series? Well, I love interactions, so I'm interested in hearing what you think. Um, I ask that you know you stay open and that you take the journey from the beginning 
to where I left off. I hope that um, I start writing again and continue. It appears that my life has changed a lot, uh, especially being on the other side teaching. But once an actor, always an actor, and that is like, as Stanislavski would call the seed, which I come from. And so I love talking about acting process. And if along the way, some of my acting teaching comes in, um, that might be interesting, um, how I approach acting as to how I did then and how much I've learned teaching around the country and the world and uh, how deep I've gone into method acting. So there has been the question of whether I would pick up the show again. Uh, Sherry thought it would be perfect during COVID, but I really think it depends on the relationship between audience, myself and the audience. It was a collaborative event. I didn't do it alone. I did it with the audience and I spoke to the audience and we created the experience together. So there's a question, um, of, you know, whether that would continue and if it would take a new shape and form and be updated, that's always a possibility. So I want to leave that open. I'm Rachel Baylett, and thank you for listening to Diary of an Actress. Join me next week for my next adventure in Hollywood. Hollywood.